There did Phoenicians arrive, those men far famed for their galleys, swindlers who carried with them in their black ship plenty of trinkets. There was a woman, Phoenician-born, in the house of my father, beautiful, noble in stature, and skilled in glorious handwork. Yet the Phoenicians, sly with experience, tricked and beguiled her. First, as she laundered her clothes by the hollow galley, a seaman mingled with her in bed and affection, which cousined the minds of all of the female sex, even one whose acts were of virtue. Then he inquired of her who she was, where she had now come from. She then pointed at once to the high-roofed house of my father. Sidon, the bronze-rich city, is where I boast to have come from. Daughter I am to Eribus, a man overflowing with riches. But men snatched me and carried me off with them, pirates from Taphos, as from the pasture I came back home. They carried me here to sell me in this man's house. He gave them a price that was worth it. Speaking to her made answer the man she had secretly lain with. Well, would you now be ready to go with us back to your own home, so you may look on the high-roofed house of your father and mother, and on themselves, for they still are alive and are still called wealthy? Thus did the woman address him, in these words giving an answer. These things, sailors, in fact might happen, if you would be willing only to pledge with an oath to return me safe to my own home. So she spoke, and they all then swore her an oath as she bade them. But then, when they had sworn and had brought their oath to completion, thus said the woman among them, in these words giving an answer, Now keep silent, and let no one of your comrades address me even a word if he happens to come upon me on a pathway, or at a fountain perhaps, lest somebody go to the old man's house and report it to him, and then he, suspecting, would bind me fast in wearisome bondage. For you he would meditate ruin." Keep in your heart my words, make haste to buy goods for the journey. But when the galley is finally loaded and full of provisions, quickly to me in the house let somebody come with a message. For I will bring gold also, whatever I then can lay hands on. One thing more I would willingly give you as fair for the journey. For in the palace am I now rearing the nobleman's offspring, so quick-witted, who always is running along with me outdoors." Him I would take on the galley, and he would then bring you enormous profit wherever you gave him for sale among alien people. When she had said these things, she went to the beautiful palace. Nevertheless, for the whole long year they stayed in our country, trading for many provisions to put in the hollow galley. But when the hollow galley was loaded for them to go homeward, then they sent out a messenger taking the woman a message. This man, crafty and shrewd, came up to the house of my father, bringing a necklace of gold that was strung with pieces of amber. There in the chambers, the servant girls and the lady my mother fondled the chain in their hands. With their eyes, they looked at it closely. Then they offered his price. To the woman, he silently nodded. When he had nodded to her, he went to the hollow galley. Then by the hand, she took me and led me out of the palace. There in the forecourt she found cups still sitting and tables left by the men who had dined in the house and attended my father. They to the session had gone to attend the debate of the people. Three of the cups she quickly concealed in the folds of her bosom, bearing them off while I unthinkingly, heedlessly followed. 
Then did the sun go down, and the ways were all shadowed in darkness. Rapidly walking, we soon had arrived at the glorious harbor, inside which was a swift-running ship of the men of Phoenicia. Then they, boarding the ship, sailed out on the watery pathway. After they put us on board, Zeus sent down favoring breezes. Six days then we were sailing, alike in the night and the daytime, but when Zeus, son of Cronos, to those days added the seventh, then that woman was smitten by Artemis, shooter of arrows. Into the bilge in the hold she fell with a splash like a sea turn. Out of the ship to become fresh prey for the seals and the fishes, they threw her while I remained there in my spirit lamenting. Ithaca then they reached, borne ahead by the wind and the water. There Laertes acquired me by paying the price with his treasure. So it was that I came to behold this land with my own eyes. This word then in reply spoke Zeus descended Odysseus. Now most deeply, Eumaeus, the heart in my breast you have troubled, telling me all these things, what pains in your heart you have suffered. Even along with the evil has Zeus set good things before you, since after suffering much you came to the house of a kindly man who in fact has provided you plenty for eating and drinking, caring for you, and the life you are living is noble, but only after I wandered among many cities of men have I come here. Such things then they spoke and addressed each one to the other, nor did the two of them sleep very much time, only a little. Quickly the dawn of the fair throne came. But Telemachus' comrades, coming to land, first slackened the canvas and took down the mast pole speedily. Wielding their oars, they rowed the ship into the mooring. They threw over the anchoring stones, made fast the stern cables, then themselves disembarked on the tide-heaped sand of the seashore, readied their dinner, and mingled the glistening wine with water. When they had quite satisfied their appetites, drinking and eating, speaking among them, thoughtful Telemachus started a discourse. You men now keep driving the black ship on to the city. Meanwhile, I will at once go visit the fields and the herdsmen. When I have looked at my farms, I will come to the city at sunset. Then in the morning will set before you a reward for the voyage, excellent feasting on meat and on wine most sweet in the drinking. Then in return, godlike Theoclymenus spoke and addressed him. Where shall I go, dear child? Whose house shall I visit among those owned by the men who in rock-strewn Ithaca govern the people? Shall I instead go straight to the house of yourself and your mother? Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to him, giving an answer. I would advise you in other conditions to go to our palace. Not in the least does it lack hospitality, but for yourself now it would be worse, since I will not be there, nor will my mother see you, for not very often she shows herself to the suitors there in the house, but a part in her high room works at her weaving. But I will tell you of somebody else whom you may go visit. He is Eurymachus, provident Polybus, glorious scion. These days, much like a god, do the Ithacan people regard him. For by far is he best of the men. Most eagerly he is seeking to marry my mother and have the estate of Odysseus. But of all this knows Zeus the Olympian, dwelling in heaven, whether before that marriage he bring him a day of affliction. As these words he was speaking, a bird flew by on his right hand. 
It was a falcon, Apollo's swift messenger, plucking a pigeon, which he held in his claws. On the ground, midway from the galley up to Telemachus, he kept strewing the feathers he pulled out. Then Theoclemenus summoned him forth from the other companions, took his hand in his own, and said these words, calling upon him. Surely, Telemachus, not without God, the bird flew on your right hand. Soon as I saw it approach, I realized it was an omen. There is no lineage nobler than yours, more fitted for kingship here in the Ithacan land. No, you are most powerful always. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to him, giving an answer. May this word now, stranger and friend, be brought to fulfillment. Thereon you would at once be aware of my love and of many presents from me, so someone who met you would call you blessed. So having said, he called to Peraios, a trusty companion. Clytius Sion Peraios, in all things else you obey me best among all the companions who went with me over to Pylos. So now also for me take home this stranger as guest friend. Treat him with kindly affection and honor until I arrive there. Thus Peraios, renowned as a spearman, spoke as an answer. Surely, Telemachus, even if you were to stay here a long time, I would attend to him. No hospitality he will be lacking. So he spoke, and he boarded the galley, and bade the companions get themselves on board, and at once cast off the stern cables. Hastily then they boarded, and took their seats at the oarlocks. Under his feet now Telemachus fastened his beautiful sandals. Then he took his powerful spear, well pointed with sharp bronze, up from the deck of the galley, and they cast off the stern cables. Pushing to sea, they sailed to the city, exactly as they were told by Telemachus, much-loved scion of godlike Odysseus. Swiftly his feet bore him as he walked till he came to the farmyard. There were his swine, great numbers. Among them also the noble swineherd rested the night with benevolent thoughts for his masters.